Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part, how health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing. And hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. Brought to you by Clarence. Ali, welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. We are thrilled to have you on today's episode. I am so excited to be here and have this chat with you the book is live and in the world and in bookstores and I, I I can't get over it anytime I see someone post the book holding it I just like I'm like are you gonna read that that's like all my words are in my whole heart is in that book and that it's it's scary it's wildly vulnerable and it's definitely um thrilling and exciting and it's the time for it so I'm I'm so excited and I feel all of the feelings 100% all of them (laughs) and you know by checking out your book I can tell that you're someone who doesn't shy away from feeling all of the feelings anymore you embrace the roller coaster ride of life which I think takes a lot of fucking strength to do that Um, especially if you are a sensitive person and someone who feels the feels Um, so girl Vana I mean this book is an extension of this universe and this community Community that you have worked really hard to create and it started uh, from a place where you were struggling like you were going through it and you had to find your way and yoga was that path out of that darkness for you and you did something really incredible you got out of that dark place you found the light you found yoga you found your purpose and then you shared it you shared it with other teens you shared it with other adults and now you're sharing it with the world through this book so you know before we get into the book i'd love to kind of go back to the beginning and how you found yourself uh craving and curating a world where girl vana existed mm. yeah i mean it really was that i think as i look back at who i was as a teenager and i speak a lot about this in the book and i think that it's not a unique experience it's actually a universal experience of the coming of age especially if you're conditioned as female you are all of a sudden you're a kid and you're playing and everything's fine. And then you go through puberty and your body changes and all of these dynamics start to shift with the girls in your life and the way boys look at you and the way you are marketed to and what you think you should be doing. And it's such a confusing time. And, and I'm a millennial, I'm 34. This is 20 years ago. This is crazy to say. Um, there wasn't any information. There wasn't, no, no one was talking about mental health. No one was talking about anxiety or depression. Um, everyone I knew had an eating disorder for the most part at my dance studio. And there was just certain things you just didn't talk about. And so when I was around 18, 19, I found yoga Uh, And I thought I was going to yoga, which a lot of people think they go to yoga for, to stay fit and be flexible. And um, what I got was that and 
a whole reboot, spiritual reboot of my purpose in life and how to honor myself and stop punishing my body and being at war with myself, but actually starting to respect myself and honor myself. And so that was sort of the inception of, of wow, my life is shifting and changing from this practice. And then about five years later, I thought I need to go back. I need to go back to all the high schools, eating disorder recovery clinics, anywhere there are girls. And I want to share what this practice has done for me in a really relatable and digestible way. And that was the the beginning of Girlvana a decade ago was, was figuring out my stuff. And like, as you said, and then, and then sharing it. Wow. Yeah. Cause what you share in the book of what you were going through as a teenager is, and we're almost the same age. I'm turning 33 this year. And you're right. Like when we were growing up, Nobody talked about mental health. Nobody talked about disordered eating and body image issues and body positivity and what that means and the way that we can sometimes be very abusive towards ourselves with negative thinking, comparison, binging and purging, over-exercising, like you name it. A lot of things that we are now starting to have more open discussions about and therefore providing more support, more compassion, more empathy, and more resources when we were teenagers, like that was just not a thing. Like if you struggled with any of this, it was behind closed doors for the most part. Um, Unless maybe, you know, someone picked up on it, but that was a part that you shared in the book that I thought was so vulnerable. And I related to so much of what you shared. What was that experience like for you divulging all of that from you know, dancing 30 hours a week and never feeling enough, never feeling pretty enough, thin enough, good enough, and yet perfecting the art of being fine and perfecting the art of wearing a mask or many masks, I should say. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear it back. I'm like, oh yeah, I did feel that way because I don't feel that way at all anymore. (laughs) I couldn't imagine faking it or wearing a mask. Like truly, it's amazing how how far I've come. Um, but I think that when I came to write the book, so I started the, the proposition of writing the book was on the table about five years ago. And I thought, oh, wow, this is coming sooner than I thought. Because I had thought at some point there's a book in here. I want to write it. But I thought it was going to come later in my life. And I thought, OK, um, I want to write this. And I first of all, no one teaches you how to write a book either. So I was just, you know, in there just throwing stuff at the wall and and really starting to dig into these memories and unearthing a lot of these thoughts and feelings and stories. And what's so interesting is that so much of what happens when we're a kid and in our teen years, that shapes and forms us. That forms how we show up in relationship and work, our bodies. And so I have all in the book, all these stories being a little nine-year-old at the National Ballet School audition, wanting to dance my heart out. And all we did was stand there. And then this woman just looked at our bodies and we just turned a quarter turn every eight counts of the piano and then getting cut. And it was this moment of going, but I didn't even get to do the thing that I love so much. And my mom having to reckon with that moment and say, it's not actually about that. It was actually about how you look in your body. And at nine thinking, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, and, and so that, that, that the direct hit of you're not enough and how to be enough and how to continue to try to be perfect and be fine and play this act and play this role. And there's so much uh, narrative, I think, at that age, too, of just smile and grow thicker skin and stop crying. And that's crazy. And, 
And so unearthing these stories uh, was so healing to look at them again, to, to kind of point back to, oh, that's where that belief started. Oh, that was that instant, this little innocent mind thought, mm-mm, can't do that anymore. And one of the questions I ask in the book is, who were you before the world told you who to be? And so much of Girlvana is the work of reclaiming her, reclaiming before you saw the magazines with the skinny models, reclaiming before you got all of those information from boys and all of this stuff, who were you? And so it was such a healing journey. I mean, the work of inner child never ends. And that's why I love that everyone at any age can read this book because we have to go back there and talk to her and hold her hand and bring her forward. Um, and so that was what the writing process was like. So not easy. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I imagine it was painful, but also I imagine there was some, you know, cathartic moments as well, because look at you now. I mean, you seem like like such a different person from when you were a teenager. And it sounds like you really have reclaimed the inner you, the inner child and have like given her a moment to shine and be like, you're okay. You are enough. You are not broken. You do not need fixing. Like, let's go. Here we go. Life is ready to to have fun. And you're like, welcome to join in on the ride. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love the name too, Girlvana. Like I was a big Nirvana fan, but um, <laughs> never did I think like where that word maybe came, like come from. And you, you kind of talk about that. So share with us, you know, why Girlvana is the perfect name for this and the root meaning behind it as well. Yeah. So when I started, I kind of just had this epiphany moment of like, okay, I've been teaching yoga for four years. I'm kind of just teaching to what the yoga industry looks like at that time, which was white, thin, affluent, um, millennial. And I was like, there's a lot of people who who need to be in this room and who aren't in this room. And so um, that was part of it. I wanted to go back. I wanted to teach young people. And I was studying yoga and studying Sanskrit, which is the ancient Indian language in which all the spiritual texts are written in. And this root word nirvana um, always sort of stuck with me. Yes, it's recognizable because of the the grunge band in the 90s and uh, Kurt Cobain, but there was also this, the meaning of one of the meanings, so Sanskrit is a very complex language, so there's multiple meanings, but is free from suffering. And I thought that this is what I want for girls. I want them to be free from, from suffering. And there's a difference, right? Like pain, that expression, pain is inevitable, suffering is, is optional. And pain, we're going to have pain. Yeah. Pain is going to be a part of our life. We're going to lose people. We're going to grieve. Um, but there's certain things that with our minds and the thoughts that we have and the negativity that are causing suffering that we can actually start to, to heal and mend and, and stop. Um, and so Girlvana, it really started as like, you know, I made my little brand and my website and I started teaching classes in high schools and dance studios and eating disorder recovery camp, the looking glass in British Columbia. Um, and then I started the first retreat. And so I wanted to create like this yoga retreat meets summer camp experience overnight camp for girls 13 to 18 to immerse themselves in these practices. And that was when I felt the true power of this work. It wasn't like, okay, here's a downward facing dog, learn how to touch your toes. It was like, let's talk about the real stuff, your parents' divorce, self-harm, you know, things that are really, really uh, taboo, periods, consent, all of these conversations that at that time were not happening. Wow, yeah, and you know, when you started doing those, activations within the community there was one part where you were talking about 
you wouldn't go and just teach the class and do the moves, which, you know, on its own is really powerful, but you went further. You started asking really difficult questions to get engagement and to just kind of see where everyone was. Questions like, how many of you feel stressed about balancing it all? How many of you feel pressured to act or look a certain way? How many of you feel that no matter how hard you try, you will never feel like you are enough? Like these are powerful, deep questions that I think sometimes youth and even adults, like we don't actually ask ourselves and check in. And I thought that was really powerful that you combined yoga with a lot of introspective questions to unearth some things and also to create space to allow conversations and feelings to be shared. And I'm sure a lot of emotions as well. But when you started doing these workshops to teenagers who maybe were going through a lot of shit, I mean, did they welcome you with open arms? Because I'm just thinking back to when I was a teenager and (laughs) my friends and I'm like, I feel like there would be a very small subsection that'd be like, oh yeah, like I'm down, let's do this. And I think a lot of people would be like rolling their eyes and giggling. Like, was it an uphill battle? Totally. Yes, it was. I mean, 10 years ago, bringing yoga to a high school was somewhat still controversial. What is yoga? Is that religious? I don't know. And, um, and so there was really, I felt like a yoga saleswoman going door to door with a bunch of yoga mats in the back of my car being like, trust me, this is really great. Um, and so it would depend. I would teach, say, like a, a high school gym class of, of 16 year old girls, 40 of them. Uh, which is wildly intimidating. And out of all of those girls, yes, there's giggling and there's laughter and people are pushing each other and there's cell phones and all this stuff. And then towards the end of the practice, there would be a settling quality. And that was, there was like something there. I think, wow, these teens don't really have space in their day to relax, to breathe, to connect. And so instead of resisting it, I started to see young people go like, to actually absorb it. And then they, you know, get up, leave, walk away. But there'd always be one or two that would come up at the end and go like, wow, where, when can I do that again? Where can I find you? And I started a studio in Vancouver um, years ago called The District. So I was leading after school programs. And so those girls would come from their high school, walk or take the bus. And then we started a smaller community of, of after school yoga classes where we would really start to go deeper. And then those girls would then feed into the, the retreat programs. And yeah, you'd have some kids that their moms are forcing them to go. But by end of day one, they were already in because I think for some, all of us, for, we're craving real conversations. We're sick of the BS. We're sick of the fake positivity. And if you just do this, 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 and things are going to get better. I didn't want to go there. I wanted to start with, how are you? Mm-hmm. Say something real about your life today, you know? And um, I think that where we get stuck is, especially in social media, is she has it better than me. She has a perfect life. I must be really screwed up. I'm the only one feeling this way. And when you bring people, especially young women together and say like, this is really hard for me. And then someone's like, that's hard for you. I had no idea. I thought it was the only one. And that's where healing starts to take place. When you share your stories, the stories are the medicine. Um, And really it's not about solving or fixing it. It's just about sharing and connecting and feeling less alone. Yeah. Sometimes when we can even just say it out loud, whether it's to ourselves or even better yet with someone, whether it's a stranger in a safe space or someone in your circle, not necessarily that that other individual is going to provide a solution, but just being able to say it out loud, whatever is weighing you down or causing anxiety or stressing you out. It's pretty amazing what can happen when we can let it out or when we can be there for someone else. I think there's such therapeutic benefits as well to being there for someone else and providing comfort as well. Um, 
I wish I, I wish like I was a teenager and could have gone to Girlvana. But I'm curious for you because you went through so much as a teenager, dancing rigorously, going through what you went through. And then at 19, yoga happened. Like, what was that turning point like? It's time for Chloe's Clarence pick of the week. Today, friends, we are focusing on those beautiful, glorious eyes of yours. You know what they say, the eyes are the window to the soul or something cliche like that. Um, I was thinking about it, actually. I was, I was testing out different products and I'm a sucker for face masks. I think it's such a nice form of self-care. You kind of just sit back, enjoy, relax, and then see the amazing results. But what I never do is actually do an eye mask. And that's where Clarins Total Eye Hydrate is this cream that you use for your eyes and it helps to hydrate and soothe the eye contour. But you can also use it as a 10-minute express mask or step it up a notch and leave it on all night long. And then you'll wake up with an intensive dose, dose, <laughs> intensive dose of moisture while you sleep. Um, I think I might need a little bit of extra sleep. So I have tried it as a cream. I've tried it as an express mask and I've tried it overnight. And I love, 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 love the overnight mask situation. So treat your eyes because they are the window to the soul. Enough of that. Let's get back to it. Yeah. And I think that that was a big pivot for me. And it wasn't like I just found yoga and then everything was great. I am constantly pivoting. <laughs> so many pivots and, and, you know, the fork in the road so many times. But I think what's, what's, what's important about this pivot at 19 was when I found yoga, it taught me how to trust my intuition. So now when I come to these forks in the road, I have a much clearer idea of, of which way I want to go because I, I trust myself now. And so when I, when I found yoga, I had moved home from Los Angeles. I was trying to pursue this professional dance career. It was all I ever wanted, all my eggs in one basket. And it just, it just wasn't working. There was so much rejection, you know, in the entertainment industry, it was constantly again about, that little nine-year-old is now, you know, 19 auditioning for Christina Aguilera and all of these, you know, big artists and, you know, feeling rejection, not good enough, not good enough. And it was starting to wear on me and that I was controlling that, that, um, not knowing and rejection with eating and binging and purging and eating disorder. That was my only way I knew how to cope. And I came back home to Vancouver, I think for a wedding and to get my wisdom teeth out or something like that. And my mom just took one look at me and she just said, why don't we just stay a while? Let's just like stay a while. And I had, I was so exhausted, so tired, injured. I had pneumonia. Like I was just so burnt out. And as I started to heal and get better and, um, you know, with my pneumonia and get some rest, I showed up to a yoga class and I, I talk about it in the book. The yoga studio looked like the dance studio, wood floors. There was a mirror. There were people stretching. But the essence of it was different. It wasn't competitive. The teacher wasn't trying to get us all to the front and perform. It was like everyone was kind and it was soft. And I was hearing in the yoga class, listen to your body, honor your body. And I hadn't heard that before. No one was saying that. My dance teachers were not saying that to me. It was like, if you're injured, be quiet. If you're sick, you better show up to class. Like it was the opposite. Yeah. Um, and so I just sort of took this little broken girl onto the yoga mat and I started to listen to her for the first time and move my body that wasn't for the consumption of others. And that was so big for me because dance was all about hitting the aesthetic and having the right body and performing and then 
doing it professionally in that world, LA dance world was all about shaking your butt in a music video after training like a professional athlete your whole life to, you know, it was just like so much to reconcile. And so when I got to the yoga mat, it was like, oh my God, this is possible to love myself and, and feel good about myself. And, and everything changed from that moment. And I'm so glad that, 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 that was where I found yoga at that time. And, and the reason why I started Girlvana, I was like, what could be possible if you found it even younger? What happens at, you know, 13, when your, your body's changing and your hormones are going wild. And, and so that, that, that pivot for me shifted my whole adult life. Wow. And you started listening to the you inside you and you started honoring her and creating space for her and moving your body in a way that brought you joy, um, which is such a powerful shift too. Cause I think sometimes, you know, everyone's on their own wellness journey, their own health journey. Sometimes we set out goals for ourselves. Um, but sometimes the way we strive to get those goals is sometimes not always health promoting. We deprive, we overexercise, we compare, and we kind of lose the joy of the whole experience. And life is meant to be enjoyed and being healthy or striving to be being healthy, whatever that looks like or sounds like to you, should be something that is enjoyed as well. So to move your body in a way that finally made you feel good about yourself and made you appreciate what your amazing, incredible body could do for you, that must have been such a turning point. Yeah, we talk, there's a little list, there's a little exercise towards the end of the book called Honor and Punish. And this is something that really actually got me out of my eating disorder. Because like you said, like health and wellness and actually all of these things are really beautiful tools, but it's how you use them. So I was using exercise to punish myself, not to honor myself. I was using food to punish myself, not to honor myself. Um, so when I started to look, and I do this often with my, my girls all the time, but even in my own life, it's like, oh, am I saying no to that thing because I'm trying to punish myself right now because I ate the thing yesterday and now I'm bad and wrong. And we live in that sort of duality and, and we see that. That's how the, the fitness industry often markets to us. And summer body and you ate that donut and do this. And so the new paradigm shift for, for me when I started to heal the eating disorder was like, what, what can I choose right now that's going to honor me? Maybe I had a workout schedule, but really what's going to honor me is a nap. Maybe that's what my body's calling for. You know, maybe this kale salad is, is wonderful and delicious, but if I'm eating it to punish myself, that's not going to digest the way I want it to. Um, and so that for me was a game changer. And I see it all the time with my yoga students because I teach all ages, um, but people would often show up to yoga to, to punish themselves. And, and I would say like, chill, calm down. It's all right. Yeah. You know, we'll find a pose, find a, find a modification in this pose. That's going to honor you. You don't have to be the best. You're not here to compete. So really getting out of that competition mindset and, and working out and fitness. I had such a fun workout today. That was just for me. I was dancing around. It just felt so brilliant and exciting and expressive. And it had nothing to do with the shape of my body. And, and I'm more inclined to show up for that when I'm not trying to think about the size of my thighs. Um, it's, it's totally shifted and same with eating. I used to be really, when I shifted from binge and purge, then I went deep into veganism and raw food and juice cleanses. And again, nothing wrong with any of those things, but I was doing it as a way to really control my food. And it looked way more like anorexia than it did anything else. But, um, and now I don't, I don't have any restrictions around what I eat. And that's so wild and mind blowing to me from where I've come from, but 
I just, it's intuitive and I eat when I want to and what I feel like I need. And I'm just such deep relationship to what my body needs. And I did not even know I could have a relationship to my body, that I could actually be embodied, be in my body. Um, and so knowing that that's possible is one thing and then sharing that that's possible is a whole other thing. And I think that you know this intrinsically too. It's why you're sharing and coaching and have a podcast. It's like, once you find a tool and a thing that's working for you, sharing it, expressing yeah. it, showing others that there's a way forward free of that suffering is 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 so key and I think it's really cool that in the book you have exercises um you also have yoga flows and meditations and breathing exercises and journaling prompts like why was that an important decision for you um as an author now to not only yes write out the words and your thoughts and put it into this book but to also leave your readers with some action items yeah, I wanted the book to be truly be the Girlvana experience in book form. And Girlvana is yoga, yes, but it's also these deep conversations. It's journaling. These prompts are, are have lived in Girlvana over the last decade. I've seen so many dear body letters, which is one of the exercises in the book. This is just what what a big piece of this work. And I also wanted the book to be the kind of book where if you're having a really hard day, you know, you're just stuck and you can't get out of a thing. You open the book on any given page and something kind of just smacks you upside the head and says self-love meditation or breath of joy exercise and, and really trusting the book as a guide. Um, and the other piece of that was uh, is accessibility. Like I really want this to be something that, you know, I knew that with Girlvana, not everyone could get to Galliano Island off the coast of BC every summer, even though we provide a lot of scholarships. Um, but there's certain things were, that were inaccessible to location and where I was. And so to me, this book is anyone all over the world can, can have it um, and can learn from it and, and learn, you know, the physical. Everyone learns differently. Some people are going to really get a lot from doing a pigeon pose and stretching their body and getting in tune that way. Some of us like to write pen to paper, get the thoughts out. Um, and, and so I wanted to offer lots of different ways to say often the same thing. How do we get present? Mm -hmm. How do we love ourselves? Um, and so that was just really important to me that it, tr it felt like a true handbook. Mm, a little sneak peek for anyone who's like, how do I get present? How do I love myself? Like what's like, what's one little takeaway you can share with us now. And obviously everyone who's listening is like, give me that book immediately. But in the meantime, here's a little <laughs> tip. I think that breath is the quickest, freest thing. If you are alive, you have it, you can do it. It's right here, it's always available. When you start, and it, everyone who's listening right now, you can do it while you're listening. Just start to focus on your inhale through your nostrils and just make it a little bit longer than it's been. And then as you exhale, just feel your body relax and soften a little bit, drop your shoulders, relax your belly, relax your jaw. One, two, three of those at any point in your day can do a lot of things. One is it breaks the trance of thought. Trance of thought, we have 60,000 thoughts a day. They're all over the place. They're often repetitive. They're often negative. As soon as you go, oh, what's going on with my breath? I'm just going to take an inhale. We break the trance. And that's what we need to constantly be doing is break the trance, get present. When we breathe through the nose, it also stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. It brings us out of fight or flight, which is where most of us are living in this frantic energy, this panic, future tripping, anxiety-driven world. 
When you shift, we go into parasympathetic, which is our rest and digest, and it calms the body down. So right away, you have the quickest tool. It's always there. I tell my girls this all the time, whether you are about to write a test, have a hard conversation, trying to go to sleep at night. No one even needs to know what you're doing. It's so silent. It's so personal. It's so intimate. Um, but focusing on your breath is my number one. Yes, I love that tip so much. It's something I share with my coaching clients too. And like random story, you really can do this anywhere, friends. One of my clients, um, she struggles. You know, when you get your hair done and they put that like weird dome sometimes yeah. over your head. <laughs> so this was a woman who loved the look of her hair done. Like it was like, she really, it brought her so much joy, but the act of getting her hair dyed made her feel claustrophobic, uh, anxious, stressed. It was not a good situation. And she messages me and she's like, so I did five, five, seven breathing, which is, you know, you inhale for a count of five, you hold for a count of five and you exhale for a count of seven, same thing. It'll tap into your parasympathetic nervous system. Just like, and I did it. And it was such a game changer during my hairdressing appointment. So whether you are at the hairdressers, you're stuck in traffic, you are about to write a test, like you said, difficult conversation, like this is something that we all have access to. Like our breath is always with us. And yet we sometimes forget it's there and it is such a powerful tool. So I really like that you just shared (laughs) You know, you keep mentioning that it's been 10 years, 10 years ago, we weren't talking about this. We've done a lot in 10 years. I'm curious for you, when you look back on the last decade of doing this work, what's the one moment that you're most proud of? Is there a standout moment? Because 10 years is a long time to be (sighs) giving to the community, giving to yourself, building this community. Yeah, I... Oh man, there's so many moments, but I think um, it's maybe the, the, the moments that have come from this one question. And then it's in the book. um, If you really knew me, you would know. And it's something that we do in retreat, probably like midway through. So girls have been there probably two nights. It's Wednesday. Now they show up in circle, like we always do. And you, everyone gets a piece of paper and you write down, if you really knew me, you would know. And the prompt is to go deep. It's not that like, I have a cat. It's like, (laughs) tell us something that, you know, the story that we hold inside. Everyone writes it down anonymously. You throw it into the center of the room. You go pick up another piece of paper and you sit back down and everyone reads the thing out loud and we go slow. So someone reads your own words And then we all take that collective breath to hold it and then release it. And it takes a lot of time and it's heavy. You know, we're, we're listening to stories of anything from, you know, rape and molestation to self-harm to suicide attempts to like, we have truly, truly, truly heard it all. And no one knows whose stories who, and that's part of the anonymity that can be so powerful and hearing your story in someone else's voice just to, to hold it and then release it for you. And then we always, without fail, get up, run down to the ocean, everyone jumps in the water, and there's like this breaking point, this crescendo of the retreat where you have released and said the thing out loud. And I, and I say we as, as in the girls who are there, and I bring four other mentors, um, like camp counselors that support it. And it's just some of the most 
inspiring, intense, powerful moments that, I, that I've ever held space for because it's just the realest of the real. Wow. Um, and anyone that's told their story, you know, and any sort of platform, be it really small or big, knows that, yeah, the, the medicine is in the stories and um, to share in that way. And so those moments are, are the biggest moments. It's the reason why I do the work that I do. Um, it's to free free us all from these things that that we're hiding behind or that's holding us hostage I thank you for doing what you do and for putting it into a book because now people all over the world can have access to what you have put so much effort and so much heart into what would you say is your kind of big aspiration when it comes to Girlvana and the reach it can have and the impact it can have Mm. That's a great question. I think it's shifted so much. I mean, the world has changed so much in the last year and a bit, but I think that, um, you know, girl, when I started Girl Vana, I, I quickly started Lady Vana because all the women in my life were like, we want to come, how do we do this? Um, and so for me, like it's, it's been this growing up with the work itself. And so I want, you know, all this, I want this book to go far and wide and as many girls to read this book and their moms and their sisters and their dads and their boyfriends and whoever, this is such a deep understanding here. And I think these tools are universal regardless of age and gender. Um, but I want to write the sequel. I want to write, you know, the older sister to this book too, and, and get into the stuff that we deal with in our twenties. If Girlvana is about teens, Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about in our 20s and navigating career oh. and money and relationships. <laughs> um, so that would be, that's definitely my, my something that I'm starting to put down on paper. Uh, I, I want to see the sequel. And then eventually I want to have a family and I want to be a mom and I want to speak about that too. And I, I've always felt like I'm, I'm growing up with my businesses and, and to me, um, just continuing to be able to share my story and, and struggles as a, as a way forward and, and, and cutting a path um, forward for, for us all. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking is next. Yes, I, I like it. It's not just one thing. It's a whole roadmap. Um, you know, Girlvana is amazing. I already can't wait for the sequel uh, because the 20s, oh my gosh. And then like 27, 28 hits around. Then maybe you hit Saturn return. Like my whole oh. life took a 180 at that age and it rocked me so i i'm 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 looking forward to it and i'm in my we're in our 30s now and then when you're in your 30s you deal with all kinds of stuff so like this is, oh this my is just you're just gonna yeah. be writing a book per decade i think for a long time i hope yeah. you're okay yeah. with that because i know our age audience like can't wait already <laughs> I am okay with that. It helps me process my life and, and, and holds me accountable and um, I'm to keep moving. So absolutely, it's the work I'm committed to. Oh, amazing. I really appreciate your time. Girl Vaughn, everybody check it out. It is available. Everyone will put all the details down below. I always love to end the podcast the same way. And that is, what does healthy as hot mean to you? For some people, it's a mantra, a philosophy. Uh, it might be your ethos at Girl Vana, But the beautiful thing about health, as you know, is it looks, it feels different for everyone. And it changes as we change. Mm. Ah, it doesn't. I, I keep thinking about seasons of our lives. Like I'm in a new season of my life, which is actually really physical. I'm teaching yoga on camera almost every single day. And I feel stronger than I ever have in, in um, truly in my life in a really well way. I think I was strong as a dancer, but in a way that was sort of distorted. I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm really strong holistically. And for me, health is 
head, heart, body, spirit coming into alignment. And I'm celebrating through that right now, challenging myself, whether that's teaching, surfing, riding my bike. I live, I'm a California girl now, so I'm doing all the California things. So healthy is quite literally hot <laughs> physically in the sun. Um, but I just like feel like this new California girl. And that's what it looks like for me right now is just feeling strong on, on all levels in a way that is honoring um, and it, oh, it feels so good. I'm just a little bit jealous that you're, uh, you can surf right now. Um, I'm not a big surfer by any means, like really, really newbie, but I love it so much. It is such a powerful, empowering, humbling experience being out <laughs> on the ocean and like you're at the mercy of mother nature and you're just like, all right, body, let's see what we can do. But then you get that one wave, even if you just get one wave a day. You're like, that was worth it. Can't wait to go back. Even if you like struggled it's, so hard. <laughs> it's so addictive. It's humbling is the word for me. It's yeah. truly the one thing I do physically and men actually it's a big mental game out there too, but um, it's something that I, I just, yeah, you are not in control and it's, yeah, it's such a wild experience. And I love that I, I, I can do it. I live, yeah, just a mile from the beach, which was a big goal of mine. Um, as, a, as a West Coast Canadian gal, I feel closer to home, closer to BC, um, but, but with my beloved Pacific Ocean um, and being in nature. So yeah, it's, a, it's the best. Allie, you're a super rad chick. Thank you so much. Um, biggest takeaway, everyone, remember to breathe. Breathe, yes. breathe, breathe. It is always within you, for sure. Allie, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Well, well, well. Who else is feeling fired up and inspired after that chat? Yeah, same here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast in the books. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wilde, and look, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a cute little comment. Follow us on Instagram at healthyishot, and remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week. Brought to you by Clarence.